Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub science here to make things make sense. Today we are talking about science and racism. We made a video called The Science of Racism, sort of calling out the fact that science is sometimes perceived to be something of a moral high ground, and we think it's important that we talk about the biases that exist within it in light of everything that is going on right now. How's it going? Was that okay? I feel like I said some words wrong. I'm just like exhausted. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounded fine to me, but okay. I, I'm also... We listen to it back, it's gibberish. <laughs> uh... <sighs> So we're recording this on, we should even say what day, because... It's Monday. But I don't know Monday, what day, June, June. Oh, it's June 1st. First. That's also depressing. Wow, the world. The world. The year is, the year is half over. <laughs> the world half over. No. Um, okay, obviously a lot is going on right now. This podcast might be a little different, because we're going to kind of skip the, what'd you learn this week, and just kind of jump into what we're talking about today. But Yeah, and I think to give a bit of context, it's like we have tried to talk about the issues of white supremacy within science uh, throughout our like careers as science communicators. We've made this video called the science of racism about a year and a half ago, two years ago, pretty much actually Um, just highlighting the fact that science does reiterate the fact that racism is real, that it is damaging. And it's just, it's obviously a hard thing to talk about, especially as non-black people, but the science does exist. There's not nearly enough of it. And part of the reason why there isn't enough of it is that science is an ex- STEM is an extremely white space. And I think one thing we can really speak to is that as science communicators, the science communication space is embarrassingly white. Uh, we, I, <laughs> when we go to science communication, like events, it's pro it's, it's, it's shocking. It's actually extremely shocking. And so I think that is just an example of part of the issue with science and with this idea that science isn't biased and this idea that science is finding the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Like mm-hmm. I just, ever, I hear that a lot and we'll maybe get into some of our personal experiences of even like coming out and then being like, why are you coming out? It's science. It doesn't matter. And like, I, I to me, like the only weird, real thing I think I can even say and what's going on as like a white man is just that I'm a science communicator and I'm just like so aware of of this weird narrative that like if you like or are interested in science for some reason you don't have to talk about race because it's like doesn't exist or it's not an issue Mm -hmm. in this space and that to me is just like always been really frustrating Uh 
So that I think makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think today we want to throw out there like the research that we've done and bring this to people from a perspective of two white people and talking to white people specifically about what we can learn from this, how we can be educated so that like we kind of know what it's like. And I'm sure many people listening, if you're minorities in one way or the other, it can be exhausting and frustrating to be a minority and have to constantly educate people. So this is like, Hey, let's talk about this. This is a call in as you've put it before to people who, uh, are ready to learn and listen and make a change and make a difference and actually accept things. Something I saw the other day on Twitter that stood out to me was someone saying, like, retweet this with when you had your first black teacher. And I actually think, unless you can correct me, in university, I don't think I had a single one. Yep. I didn't have a single one either. And Except I, I went to teachers college and then in which most of my teachers were black, but I was being taught anti-racism. Right. <laughs> so. But I mean, like we went, cause I was thinking like my high school wow. did not have a very diverse population. I come from like a smaller town, whereas I feel like you're from Toronto. So you probably had a little bit of a different experience with race growing up, but I was like, okay, I didn't really have very much diversity there. I, I don't think I had a teacher in high school either that was black. And then, and, but universities where I'm like, no, but it's a university. It attracts people from all over the world. Not to say that there are no people of color. Uh, and there, there certainly were professors who were non-white, but I actually don't know if I had a black professor ever. So does that mean that technically you didn't ever have a black teacher ever in your life? I, like I, I'm notorious for having a bad memory and I like, haven't sat down and really thought through all my grades, but as far as I can whip through, no. Wow. And yeah. that's why I was like, well, we went to university together. So you would know if I was wrong yeah, about no, the university no. side. I of had it. one black teacher my whole entire life. So that's okay. Let's get into our first statistics. 83% of teachers in America are white. 83% of, yes. of what? Sorry. Teachers just, in America like, are that, white. Oh my God, wow. So that's like a, there you go. Okay. So let's just, just start there. <laughs> so that is staggering. 62, 62% of Americans are non-Hispanic white. So there is a, like if you want to, you know, make whatever point, which is that like teachers should represent who the students are, there's a huge issue there. And that leads into something, which is also another study uh, that we talked about, which is that um, teachers as early as preschool are more likely to punish a black student more severely for the same misbehavior than a white student. They studied this. Um, this this study is actually really well done. It's like a meta-analysis of lots of different um, people and situations. Also, Leading into adulthood, studies find that the prison sentences for black men are 10% longer than white men arrested for the same crimes and use of force is 3.6 times higher. So there you go. That's if you're a white person listening to this, this is an example of like obvious racism that is real within America. And I think it is important to bring up what we were just talking about, which is that 83% of teachers in America are white. And that is an issue because... I'll try. Okay. Now I'm going to try and speak from my own experience as someone who was trained to be a teacher. I can't think of a more impressionable atmosphere when you're standing in front of kids and then you are literally teaching them how the world works. <laughs> it is so important. And you have, and like not just once, like nearly every day of their lives, every day of their lives. And the biases that come out are so like, you're just explaining things to them and how they work from your world to their world. So as a white person, you are going to be explaining things and mostly what I would say, leaving tons of information out because of your experience. And that bleeds into 
the racism. That's what institutional racism is because you can't, as a white person, not be and say racist things because it's institutional. It's ingrained within all of us. And so that is a great example. And just be lacking full perspectives, right? Like even when things aren't intentionally hurtful, like if you're talking to someone, even, even us here right now to white people, I mean, I like maybe I'm not fully white, but I still consider myself a white person we are missing like if we're scientists we have to acknowledge we're missing most of the data because we are just bringing one perspective of teaching and, and of learning and, and we just admitted that i've i know i only had one black teacher my whole life and you had none mm-hmm. so it's like there you go like at what point oh sorry other than my teaching degree but let's take that out mm-hmm. at what point was i supposed to be challenged at what point was i supposed to learn these things institutional racism would have been alive and well in all of the ways that I was taught and I wouldn't have been challenged. And I don't remember being challenged until my teaching degree in the obvious racism and society that we live in, which is now being brought to light in a very important way through these protests and through everything that is happening online. Like it's just honestly, all that's happening is people are just saying the truth and it's finally like feels like it's being heard. And we'll see again because it's like Monday, June 1st. And and we'll yeah, see. it's really frustrating because it, it takes like a excruciatingly painful event to acknowledge racism, like something so blatant. And this is what I think a problem I see seeing on the Internet. Say we like tweet something in solidarity or say we just aren't sharing these science studies and you're reading comments. Often, what the point we should all be at is also talking about nuanced racism. It's not just about someone literally saying something awful or literally being blatantly racist to someone or literally killing somebody. It's so much more than that. And I think we all need to like it, it's kind of sad that it takes this such brutal event because there's lots of people that go like, oh, yes, that is clearly racism who are still not willing to acknowledge that there's racism in so many other forms institutionalized racism and even just neglect right like being part of a system that isn't necessarily i guess that's the problem no most institutions are not trying to impart racist ideals on you but by by not having representation that's going to create an echo chamber of ideals and beliefs and ways of thinking that are conducive to racist thoughts or just feeling separate, feeling other than feeling unfamiliar with. And there's a ton of studies on representation and the impact they have, whether that's for black people, whether that's for queer people, whether that's for women in STEM and showing that just literally seeing people in those positions can change entire groups of people's perspectives. Not only if a queer person sees another queer person represented, is that going to inspire them? But if a straight person sees a queer person represented, that's going to change the way they view scientists, the way they view teachers, the way they view everyone. I just think there's tons of studies that just show representation. Even part of our video, we talk about just showing people black people in a positive light. So when people look at videos or pictures of Beyonce, their biases minimize almost instantly because I know I love those Beyonce like beyond the power of Beyonce, but it just goes to show when you're watching someone who's inspiring and talented and makes you feel good. And they're a black person. Suddenly that impacts your bias towards black people. And I think that goes obviously in many different directions. It just goes to show how much representation matters. And on top of that, this may seem obvious, but it's just like being around or being exposed to other people is what 
lowers your racial bias or, or just contact your, theory. yeah or or your bias in general so if you're gonna like you're hanging out with us if you're a straight person you probably have less bias towards queer people even if at first you had more you're chatting you're hanging with mitch and greg and there's that well they exposure. are like wow that greg guy has a really annoying gay voice i hear that all the time sometimes <laughs> i hear my voice i'm like well it is annoying and gay but that's just sometimes what our voices are <laughs> okay <laughs> But I, I think that that's true. And I think that one thing about why we're all here right now is because there is a white supremacist in the White House. There is mm -hmm. an evil, racist white supremacist running the American country right now. And I think that that cannot be denied and it no longer should be denied. And I think that is one of the reasons why it's escalated to this point, because he's not backing down with his racist ways. And they use Barack Obama and a lot of examples of these studies just showing people him, him and being in a position of power, they were able to actually like study using using EEGs, like literal brain scans, <laughs> how it changed people's bias. And it's so interesting because it's like, here is a president right now using Barack Obama and trying to continually vilify him. And that like there is racial undertones to that. And that's just even not even scratching the surface of the racism that this president is inciting. And I think that's part of the issue of what is happening right now. I think it's like, it's like racism is alive and well. And the, when we made this video, it was like, there was a time, like, for example, we were talking about a lot of studies about nuanced racism. So that's why I think it, it's not surprising to me that we're at this like boiling point. Mm -hmm. Like for the one in that, we're just going to keep talking about these studies, but a 2003 <laughs> study sent out fake resumes in Boston and Chicago to over 1,300 employment ads. These resumes were literally identical with the exception of the names on them. And yet the resumes with the more typically black sounding last names received 50% less callbacks than the resumes with the white sounding last names. And again, these resumes were identical. So that is another example, like much with like the, um, with like there being a lot of white teachers, more white teachers than I think there should be. This is an example of the type of racism that white people probably have no idea or have obviously not experienced. And, and they may don't not even be like the people who were um, going through those resumes <laughs> and actually calling people for aren't going to be like, Oh, I'm racist. They're just like making a decision. Yeah, yeah. This goes to show how subconscious so much of this is and how ingrained it is and how quickly people make decisions without consciously knowing that their brain has maybe made a clock something and made a decision based off of that. And that's why I think, I guess it frustrates me and I know people in my life and I see people on the internet who are like, but I'm not racist and they have such a hard time. And I don't feel like I was this way with uh, racism, although I probably was, but I know there's been times in my life when Greg's tried to explain things to me and I get defensive. Right. So Greg, cause he went to like a really progressive school that like taught about all these issues. When I went to teacher's college, my high school, I would say it was not. Sorry. Yeah. Your, your teacher's college. I remember uh, myself and my friends kind of experiencing this gut guttural reaction to be like, but no, like I'm a good person. Like I don't do any of these things intentionally. And I think it took me a long time to sort of slow down and go, it's actually not such a bad thing to be self-deprecating. It's not such a bad thing to say like, Oh my gosh, yeah, it's okay that I can admit that I have racist tendencies, that I probably have sexist tendencies, that there's things that our society has built around us, whether on, on a large scale or on a micro scale, wherever you're from, that have given you ideas that you behave on without even thinking about. And to call that out doesn't have to mean that you're an awful person. 
You know, I, know. And I think yeah. that's the struggle. People don't want to take on, or uh, more and more people are taking these on, but lots of people still resist it because they think it means. And it's just so frustrating that we have to keep saying like, no, this doesn't mean, like just because you have privilege doesn't mean every accomplishment you have in your life was easy and that you didn't work hard and that you're not a hard worker. Like, but it's just like, stop talking about that. Like, we're not saying you didn't deserve anything. We're just saying, let's all acknowledge it so we can be better people and support other people and just be sort of self-deprecating, I think. Yeah, I think like, I don't want it to come off. Like, I definitely experienced that defensiveness as well when I was in that, like, teaching yeah, course. I think- I, or I was set up and it was it was designed to literally teach white teachers how to deal with the fact that institutionally almost everything unless there's anti-racist institutions in Toronto which there are some but other than that most institutions in the world and places that you go are going to be ingrained ingrained in white supremacy and racism that's the way that, that colonization has built the Americas let's just use the Americas as an example so it's like sometimes it's helpful to hear that it's less like you are racist or whatever but it does it True. is but I, people even have i think a struggle dealing with the idea that the foundation of their existence is, is built r- on white racist. supremacy i know because I, people don't want to hear that <laughs> but when you yeah. really think about it of course these settlers that came we know for fact they thought white people were superior literally it, think about the word settlers were they settling things yeah. like every single thing you th- like like and even they, the vocabulary yeah. of everything you can pick they apart they and be like, saviors. oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like they truly, and, and, and I mean, our position as being people who communicate science, there's so much awful his, history in science, not only abusing minorities, but using science as a tool to, uh, dismiss or show that other races or cultures or gender or colonize indigenous us. knowledge. Like, yeah. Why don't you go into that explanation that from your book about, I think it kind of relates to that. Which? The about the fact that like science was has been used in the past to sort of like trump indigenous knowledge and then it comes out later that in fact what the indigenous people were yeah i mean was well there so this book is called superior it's an amazing book that kind of talks about uh race science and science being used to push forward racial agendas and things like that um and some examples uh include one in particular was like court cases that have relied more heavily towards or leaned heavily towards science in order to and genetics in order to dismiss indigenous claims of say there was like remains and bones that were found that indigenous people said they belong to us they're on our land and we know they come from whatever um and they lost but later it was actually found out like the science updated and they were able to prove like that those words indigenous bones and it was just an interesting example where science knowledge trumped indigenous knowledge and us as scientists like of course we love science we believe in science but there has to be a time and a place when we can understand that science isn't always right it isn't always rife with white supremacy bias Mm -hmm. because of the people who are told that they're scientists because of the people who we grow up seeing as scientists it's it's really really bad i can yeah i want to say one other thing too like um and i may have said this on the podcast before so i'm not sure but there was research that came out recently neanderthals for a long time we used to look at them as humans we uh scientists would be like oh they're like so dumb and stupid and inferior oh they're actually the most similar to 
indigenous or aboriginals in Australia. Oh, that must explain why there's like inferiorness in those people. And that was the belief for a long time that these Neanderthals were just like really stupid. And, and we were trying to find other quote unquote stupid people in the world that matched them. And then in more recent years, there's been a lot of research that showed, oh, a lot of Eurocentric people actually have in uh, Neanderthal DNA more than almost anywhere. It's Europe and Asia, but we don't see it much else elsewhere. Suddenly, and there's the book Superior lays out um, articles and highlights starting to oh go. Oh my gosh, they did art. Yeah, like, wow. Oh. Wait, maybe Neanderthals <laughs> were kind of smart, and maybe that's why white people have slightly bigger brains because they had bigger brains, and we have a bit of their DNA, and so our brains are a little bit bigger like, than say black people. Like or they say, put their, they used to put flowers down on their dead. Wow, look at that. That's so interesting. They yeah. honored their dead before humans did. Like it really did switch within the science. This, this is pop science. This is science communication. The, the Neanderthals are all are such a science communication. Like, yeah, and I, I think I've said this before as moment. well. It's like you, of course, we want to keep. We shouldn't chastise those new results. If that's true, we should we should show like, okay, yes, European people have more Neanderthals in them, but we have to also be willing to reevaluate and look at the stories we told ourselves with that knowledge and what that meant. So it doesn't mean we should stop looking into science and discovering new things and moving forward and being interested in science, but always being aware of the cultural context that everything's coming in. Basically, all of science comes from the cultural context of Europe. The idea of developing countries versus developed countries, it all comes from this idea of like, let's compare ourselves to these European countries. Let's say England. And it went and it explored like the, the world. Yeah. The Enlightenment was everything. Even that word. Was relative. <laughs> yeah. The Enlightenment, the people who were part of the Enlightenment hadn't seen like any of the world. They lived in one little bubble. Yes, there's many brilliant ideas that came out of it. But then think of the perspective they're missing and how many more brilliant ideas can come out of people who have seen other parts of the world. Every, like, like I shouldn't be hyperbolic, but it's like, let's just use a, a recent thing. We, we look up vaccines. It's like, okay, vaccines invented by this British person. But then you look it up and it's like, no, actually people were inoculating themselves in China and like 500 BC. Like, yeah, yeah. You, like you just realize like, it, yeah, we've been taught these things mm -hmm. because our teachers were white and Eurocentric. That's the way the textbooks are built. That's the way we were taught here in Canada and in, and in America and in the Americas. So it's it's so seeped into everything. And I think going back to where we sort of started with talking about this is like there there is that defensiveness, which I want to understand better. Like I I think people just don't want their legitimate their legitimacy and their own struggle, to, which everyone has their own struggle to feel, feel not, not real not or real. not justified. Yes. Like somehow my pain actually doesn't count because it's actually not that bad so that's so like interesting that. so like that brings me to something called the hierarchy which i think is like so important so we know about something called like the patriarchy like these ideas of archy um patriarchy obviously i think another thing that's very obvious is how men we live in a patriarchal society you take your dad's last name is a great example you look around at who's running countries majority men we live in a patriarchy almost internationally um the hierarchy is a way of like looking at privilege as like a very intersectional varied thing. So for example, class is I think an important one for maybe a lot of white people to talk about. You can have privilege in your affluence and and if you just focus on class, there can be poor white people who will be suffering at the hands of the classist structures, which are based, again, if we talk about institutional racism, there's institutional classism. 
And those white people are still going to be suffering from a lack of privilege from the fact that they don't have a higher status when it comes to class than other people with money. But it's like you, everything is linked. But so then there might be a more affluent black person, but those white people who are maybe poor and maybe don't have as much privilege when it comes to finances need to still also acknowledge the fact that they have privilege with the color of their skin based on the fact that white supremacy is real and built almost all of our institutions. So even that affluent black person who might have privilege in their affluence has also doesn't have the privilege that a white person would have who was yeah. poor. Like, I think it is just all acknowledging. Yeah, yeah. Being like, I'm a queer person. I'm a gay man. So in some way, in that way, I have a lack of privilege, say against straight people because I get discriminated against for that. But- hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. But then I'm a white person, or and I'm viewed as a white person in the world. And then I grew up in a pretty affluent family, and I have these privileges. It doesn't take away the fact my struggle for being gay or being queer, but I still can acknowledge that I have a privilege in some ways and lower privileges in other ways. And it's not a game of let's add it up and see who's the least privileged and the most privileged. Although I think there's like there's levels where we know that's the most privileged person. But to just be a person who's privileged allows you to say like, okay, then I should use that to help other people. I should use that to do good in the world. I should use that to also give me empathy. Like, I think that is one thing I've realized. And certainly not all queer people are like this. But when it comes to race issues, I think it's maybe easier as people who have been discriminated against to relate, even if it's a completely different issue. Do you agree? I, I mean, this is so funny. Or at least empathize. Relate might be the wrong word. Like, yeah. I certainly have no idea what it's like to be a black American or an Asian American or, or any country, really, any other race than myself. But I can understand what it means for people to not understand or believe my own suffering. Like, even something like a microaggression. It's yeah. Like you know to what that experience feels like. my daily life and know the little moments when people say things that I just have to ignore. And also the non-microaggressions, like being uncomfortable in spaces to hold your hand. Being uncomfortable to make other people uncomfortable if we were to kiss in public. Also, I think you could maybe, and I, I know I'm going back to education a lot, because I think maybe that's where I was taught a lot of these things. But it's like you can know what it feels like to grow up in school and be like, oh, I'm not talked about ever. Like that's a big one. Like you don't get talked about as a queer person in school. What do no, you mean? No one explains to you like your sex ed isn't taught properly. Like oh, you didn't even yeah. get sex ed. You were in a Catholic school, <laughs> so your whole I didn't existence get not sex ed, but it was like very limited. They're yeah. not allowed to tell you about like condoms and stuff. Yeah, I would say you didn't get <laughs> sex ed. Um, you're you're you weren't igno- 
you weren't acknowledged in your education. That's right. also what we're saying. That's exactly what happens uh, to indigenous people, to black people in Canada. Their history is ignored for white supremacist values. And we learn the history of our country through the white man's eyes. And so you like, you know what it feels like to have your history taught to you through like a straight person's eyes. Totally. And even just my daily existence to live in a world where I'm, often reminded of my sexuality even when i don't want like choose to be yeah like i don't always think about it it's it's a part of me it doesn't fully define me but the world around me makes me constantly aware of how i behave and how i'm perceived because of the risk that comes with being queer and so because of that i think when i see these other issues of social injustice i think that might be why it's easier as a queer person to say i don't get it like i've never experienced it but I can empathize like they they are telling the but truth. I, it's funny because like I, we've come here equipped with um, science studies that explain racism, how it's real and how it's physiologically damaging. But I, I agree. But I, I that's a fascinating thing to study, like the empathy towards these movements from different groups of people like are women yeah, more likely to yeah. um even like you could do this study, like mm-hmm. here you go, grad students, you could like a sociology study where you, we have all this information on Twitter. How, how what happens when you break down who even has, let's use yeah, the example, true. use the hashtag black lives matter hashtag yeah. looking at based on their names. I guess it's hard to know people's like sexuality, but you can find right. it out. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. That's a very interesting study because I, I, I feel it may not similar. Be true. But that, I also don't. I think so. That's an anecdotal experience. And that I try to understand queer, why I, yeah, lots of queer people don't care. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Are, I, are I have people. so many, like, I've had so many frustrated conversations with mostly white, white gays, as our community calls them. <laughs> and it's like, it is really frustrating because eventually you're just like, I don't know. It, it makes, I get really emotionally frustrated because I'm like, what? You're going to seriously sit there and like, like bask in the privilege that again, we have learned this over and over that people of color are the reason why there's a gay rights movement, why Stonewall happened. Like, I don't know. It it frustrates me when like you, I think there's a lot of queer people met. I think queer is the wrong word actually, because a lot of people identify as queer, I think are more aware of these things. A lot of gay men in my life who I've talked to have been extremely like further behind than I would have thought when it comes to like the idea that racism is real. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean to um, suggest that just but being I'm gay. Not, I'm we, trying this to, is what I'm trying to really science my, studies. We're just like, we're well, anecdotally. I, I was anecdotally trying yeah. to psychoanalyze my own understanding and compassion towards these issues. And like, I feel that I've been feeling so sick and exhausted and tired. And I, and I can't imagine what it feels like to be a black person right now even in Canada, even having to see people in Canada be like, thank God we're from Canada where this oh, doesn't happen. Bullshit, right. Yeah. And there's people here who are although, like, like although I get that, obviously like, I don't want to like minimize the fact that they are different countries, but right. like, I, I haven't even seen that. I've we only don't seen have people like a say, militarized police force. I mean, maybe we do, but not in the same no, way. No, it's not in the same way, is. but it still is like it. I think I would hope a lot of people in Canada don't think that again, if I had a friend be like, Oh, we're so lucky to live here. I think I would just be like, are you serious? Like, come on. Like, let's talk about that as well. Okay, let's go into just some more of these studies. Um, this one is about, like, the medical institutions. Um, and so I think that, like, this is interesting when it comes to coronavirus as well. Because we have seen, obviously, that this is affecting people of color. Coronavirus is affecting people of color for a variety of reasons. A lot of them are socioeconomic, though, and the people who actually still had to work during 
what's happening in the pandemic. It's like, there's another example, very acute example of privilege. But um, this one studied white medical professionals and found that half of the sample size that they studied believed false biological differences between white and black patients. For example, these white medical professionals thought that black patients were more pain tolerant than white patients. Uh, and they thought this was because of less sensitive nerve endings and thicker skin. This is Those ideas are so racist, but these people didn't, when they asked them after, didn't feel like they were racist. Mm -hmm. But it's like, this is exactly getting to the point where it's like, just because you aren't actively being racist Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're upholding racist values. And I think this is something I have, since that education, been able to say comfortably, is it's like, people get scared when I say this, but it's like, I am racist because of certain things that I know I just cannot at this point in my life being a 30, almost 32 year old white man have not just been ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. And those things you have to just like acknowledge. And like, I think that that is like one of those things that happens is like when you start to call people out, they go, well, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. It's like, wait, but okay, let's, that's what I mean. There's kind of a difference between explicit racism and implicit racism. Right. But I don't even like those words because it's like, then people can start hiding behind I, I don't know. I'm trying to like be like as a white person. It's like, why can't we just accept that? Like that is the way we have been taught and acknowledge that we have been taught to be racist. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess sometimes it's like, I get why people would like, that's yeah, not the I right agree. way to approach I, it, but that's sometimes what I'm just like, yeah, like I do agree. And I think it is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like times like when I've been called out, like obviously I get defensive, but also sometimes a lot of the time upon reflection that it's like you're learning. Like I'm always like it's learning something. Yeah, but you you have been taught from your family life and values and obviously like you've gone through education to teach you how to take on those kind of new ideas, which ironically is what a scientist should be, right? Where we Mm -hmm. see like there are lots of science people and myself included. I think I have a harder time changing my opinion than maybe... Actually, I don't know if that's true, depending on the issue. But well, I, I think, think in this instance, in I a therapy, you we've learned that you have a harder time being wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's probably linked to that. It's like if people f- are telling you you're wrong. Can I air my therapy on? Sorry, I'm, I, joking, I, I'm joking. No, no, but I mean, I think it's actually really interesting, and like, like I don't, I just think it's interesting because I think that there is something there. It's like that is the hard part. It's dealing with the fact so that, that you were that's wrong. my question as, as like white people talking to other white people, because I can understand as a queer person talking to straight people, I want to smack my face sometimes and smack their face. But like in the circle of this where it's like, okay, is it more effective to talk to white people and say, look, we all just have to admit we're fully racist and that's what we have to do. That might be the right answer. Or is it better to say, look, like we should have the distinction because people are so holding on to these ideals that they cannot live with cognitive dissonance. They can't call themselves a good person and a racist. So we need to now distinguish between like implicit and explicit. Hmm. Explicit being like, yeah, you can you can agree that you are not like saying awful words towards minorities and you are not actively trying to hold up these ideals, but implicit racism is a thing that you're not always actively choosing and maybe explaining it that way allows people who are defensive to turn that down their defense mm, and go, yeah. Oh, you know what? Maybe I am doing things that are racist with it when I'm not meaning to, because I'm a good person and I can make mistakes and right. Like, it, yeah. That- okay. I'm like, I'm like, there shouldn't be where everyone just has to say I'm racist. Okay. I can see why that's like extreme. <laughs> But, but I understand what you mean, because from a queer perspective, it's just like, 
Everyone is homophobic, even gay people. And have homophobic I even tendencies. say that, like I say that now, I'm like, I am homophobic. Right. Like, I, I, okay, I obviously feel like I'm just like a weird person who says <laughs> radical things, and I could see why someone's like, that's not helpful for you to say that. But it's like, I literally, like, I'm all, how often I am aware of the times in my life where I do something that is innately homophobic. It's nuanced, and I'm aware of it, but it happens all the time yeah totally what, who you think you're who you find attractive even my voice being annoying like when i hear my voice i'm like oh my god my own voice is annoying and i'm like is that literally linked in my own mm. homophobia to my own voice like and i just think it's like i grew up and was taught by tv shows by teachers right by like, like everyone to be homophobic yeah. yeah so it's like as much as obviously I'm gay and I've learned a lot, there, there's certain things you can't shake. And so that's what I'm trying to say with that. But I think you're right. And I think what's happening right now, which is fascinating, is that everyone is sharing their versions of ways that they're learning about white supremacy and learning about the fact that white supremacy controls institutions and learning about mm -hmm. police brutality. Like it, social media is a fascinating thing to look at right now. A, because we're in a pandemic. So it's like one of the main forms of communication B, this really has like with a racist white supremacist in the as a president really exacerbated things to the point where people are figuring out how for themselves they can contextualize this. And I think that is like really interesting conversations that are happening right now online are conversations that I like are, are quite radical from the context of anti-racism. They shouldn't be but like are really important and nuanced and fascinating. And people are figuring out for themselves how they're figuring out that everything is racist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it honestly, it's like scientific literacy. And sometimes there's a huge gap, a bigger and bigger gap between people who are interested in science literacy or understand science communication. And I don't mean like science communicators, but literally being able to read science news and people who are not. And I feel like that gap's getting bigger, bigger and bigger. And I think this is like social literacy or what would you call it? Like yeah, racial anti literacy. Anti-racism literacy. And so it's difficult to have conversations because if you're educated about it, you're using language and you've come to terms with things that lots of other people haven't and or don't understand. And so I think that may be what's happening. And is I, that we're, yeah. our, we're like, n not that people are becoming more extreme, but the we need in the same way that we need science communicators to help tie the public to science ideas and keep people educated and inspired and connected to the world. And of also need the science communicators to call out the racism in science. Totally. But we also need that. I guess I was trying to say like, we need, yeah, science communicators to do it, but just generally people to take yeah, on these right. ideas of like racial and social injustice communicators in a way that allows people to connect and stay informed I don't know. Do you know what I'm? Kind no, of I know exactly what you're saying. Like, there's it, like a big it, gap it's between, but it's be but it's being closed right now. Is that what you're saying? Oh, people are it is being closed, but but for some people, and some people are getting left behind, and it's harder and harder because it's like it's like trying to explain, like I don't know. Sometimes when I have to explain like queer issues to people, it's like they're I don't want to say they're so far behind, but they maybe have like never been exposed and they've never been educated, and so you have to remember where your brain was. Like there was a time before I was out when I was fully in these ideals of being sort of homophobic and being afraid of talking about things. And 
I just you forget how far you come. Like yeah. when you came out, when you went to school, you start say all these different issues, the social issues that you care about. You've maybe now spent like 10, 15 years reading about it, talking about it, debating it with friends. And you can really form ideas and opinions that it becomes really hard. It's like when a physicist tries to teach, but they're too smart because they can't remember what it's like to be stupid. So like what, about what, what, are, what are your what is your point, though? Because I'm like, it's, I thought. What is your point? Because I thought you were relating to now people are getting smarter with this, or because I don't. I, was, I actually don't know. I think just, I think the internet can help in some ways, but I'm just trying to not justify, but all like create an awareness around this illiteracy around social and racial issues okay. and like. But I so that okay. Well, maybe then, the internet's fixing that. I would say like I'm not saying that, but the it might be making that. it worse in some other ways. I don't know. I haven't. Maybe I am just being optimistic. But it's like, it's like Sean Mendez tweeting. You can't. You. You have to be actively anti-racist. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's something that. Oh, sorry, you're texting. I'm like, I'm listening. I'm listening. Sorry, I was just supposed to. Okay. Do a meeting. Okay, okay, okay. We so can wait. We should no, wrap no, this up soon. no. We should wrap this up soon though because okay. I feel like it's we could talk. Of- we really could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I know who we are, and it's like, we just came on to say what we wanted to say, and I think we've sort of said it. But it's like, what I was trying to say is that I do think that what has happened has created a literacy around a t- anti-racism that is that like the change has already started and it, it's going to continue because there's obviously needs to be more change. But that word anti-racism is actually becoming something that people are like, you know what? You better live your life anti-racist. Like you, I know we've talked about calling things out. Like you have to call things out, but it just felt like they're just that word anti-racism is so important. Like, and that's actually what I think we need to talk about with science. Like science needs to be anti-racist. Like science and the thing, and I think maybe we can end this talking about science communication and like science uh, to wrap this up. I am so frustrated by like a lot of silences in the science communication um, community. I am so frustrated by science, especially freaking men, which is dominated talking about it as this truth, as this whole truth, as this unbiased, like, institution it's like so frustrating it's not true science is racist and i'm saying that because i am the one who says that i am racist this is how i speak it is built on the backs of racism the scientific method it's eurocentric and so it frustrates me that people aren't willing to then say you know what science also has to be learned and taught and executed with anti-racism in mind because that's not only going to make it more diverse, which again, okay, we can go into that study, which is that they actually looked at the last names of um, scientific papers. And the more diverse those last names were, the more likely those papers were to be decided, were to be cited. Essentially, if you think of citations as sort of like verifying the importance of that knowledge, it's telling you that scientific knowledge thrives with diversity. So if you aren't actually a scientist or a science communicator who is aware or trying to be anti-racist, you are a part of the problem. That's what we're all talking about. And so I'm giving it a little, a couple more days of waiting and watching the science community decide how they talk about this before I think I start either calling them out or talking to them (laughs) privately and then calling them out online. I don't know, but it's like, it's really, really frustrating sitting here as ASAP science and having to deal with this idea that we are speaking truth when the whole fundamental quote unquote truth is based on racism and Eurocentric views. I'm not saying that there aren't things like the ATP, like the way ATP is produced in the mitochondria. Like I get it. We understand that to me, that is like, 
like I've, I also find the word truth to be really weird. I'm going to like, if you say, Oh, it's true. It's like, okay. Our understanding of it is really robust. I can visualize it. I love learning about those pathways. They bring me like pure joy that I can't really explain. They make me feel spiritual. They make, I love science and I love that aspect, but there's just so much of it. And it almost is like microaggressions. It's like when you're talking about physics, it's so surprising to me how often these things come in where you're like, Oh my God, that's so like dominating that's so like it's so alienating just like the way that the information is being explained and so I just think that right now I'm just wanting us as science communicators as scientists to remember that like we are a part of this problem and therefore we have to go forward with anti-racist ideals as we do science and Katie Mack did a really good tweet about it recently I love her and it was just (laughs) sort of like more succinct than that because she's just way smarter than me but um yeah no that's good like how can we end this on a positive note not that i don't know if it needs to i guess what were you just talking about i do I my positive that. thing was that oh, sean mendez said anti-racism sorry, i also <laughs> okay. meant the positive note is also that research thrives on diversity science thrives on diversity and people with different perspectives thinking and tackling problems that are different and that includes differences in gender identity and differences in race and differences in and the climate change movement we need indigenous minds and we need that indigenous knowledge we need in order to understand how we deal with this climate so exactly like if we want to go forward and just be like a bunch of white dudes and like our freaking elon musk vibes like and think we're going to get to the bottom of climate change hun you're wrong okay I don't know. Am I annoying? Always just have to go one step further and say something like ridiculous about <laughs> Elon Musk. Oh no! Yes, you are that. Yeah, I am that. Sorry, but I guess we need that sometimes. I don't know if we need that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Huh. Yeah. Sorry, did I just kibosh your positive now? Yeah. No, no. Okay, then say it again. Say it again. Pretend that never happened, and I never did. No, it's fine. I don't mind. Just like I just think like. If we can, we should be angry at people, but then we need a, not a solution, but we can inspire them as well. That's all I think. It's kind of like the one, two punch. It's like, you are bad, but here's how you can be good. And this is why it's exciting. I don't know. Like there's just like an element to sometimes just beating people down to feel bad that I think is like, is important. And I don't want to dismiss that kind of activism where we're just like, fuck the system and stop this crap. Yeah. But then there's another part of me that's like, how can we also make sure there is that like, here here we move together let's find a way to feel cohesive we know all these biases exist naturally in humans maybe not naturally i shouldn't say that because we know like kids don't have these biases and if you put them in another family this was another study it's like adopted kids will take on the projections of their parents even if they're not of the same race so like their beliefs and their biases are implicitly in them obviously not when they're born but your parents and your environment create such that that but where was I going with this? Uh, just like the idea that like people need to have a way forward. Yeah, I think I hope we can be finding ways to be inspired. I think the movements, any movement needs like the hard end and then the variables in between where some are like trying to be inspiring. Same with climate change. We need the people who are like, this is the truth and the world is going to end. And then we need the people who are like, let's get inspired by like, here's a bunch of things that can make us feel happy and excited and motivated to move mm-hmm. forward. Crisis moments. They used to talk about that in teacher's college. It's like surprising. If you look back on times when you maybe learned a lot it's when you felt a crisis like even getting a failing grade or something can be that shock that makes you then figure out how to learn what you just failed in order to do better next time and this might be the crisis moment for like all of us Mm -hmm. anyways 
Okay, I hope yeah. that that was helpful in some way. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't too... I don't know. Obviously, this is like a not a normal podcast, but we just kind of wanted to come on and talk about this and bring our perspective in the bubble that we live in and from the perspective and that we have. We have this video. It's called The Science of Racism. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, you can use hashtag side note podcast to like let us know any other research in this vein. The video was two years old. We spent like so much time figuring out these studies, figuring out how to explain this properly, obviously, because... If you don't get these things right, there's a lot of white supremacist people out there and trolls who want to take you down. So if you have any more research in the last two years that we would love to just be knowledgeable of on it so that we can talk about it um, in this space, essentially we're asking you to kind of do our work for us. Is that <laughs> no, help us keep up to date. I think it's always <laughs> yeah. nice when people share research and information with us and that's a fun experience. To and have thank you for listening out. and commenting. We, yeah. There's been lots of comments this week. We appreciate, we appreciate you guys. It. We hope you're all taking care of yourself in the midst of a pandemic and civil unrest and the world being so uncertain. We appreciate you listening to us and hanging out with us and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.